Again, we're just glad you could be here with us this morning. We've been going through the book of 1 Peter for the past several weeks. This morning we're going to do something a little different. Uh, at least once a year when we do a baby dedication, I like to teach on that dedication. What does scripture say? People ask all the time, do you, babe, do, you, do you baptize babies? We don't baptize babies at this church. We believe that baptism is saved for believers. You've got to be a believer in order to be baptized. You're the one who makes that commitment. But we do baby dedications. So well, what does that look like? Um, the entire concept of a baby dedication begins with a simple question. Have you given your children back to God? Now there's some of you that didn't know that there was an exchange program. Like, <laughs> can, can we do that? I didn't know that was a possibility. Um, no, that's not what we're talking about. Although I'm not suggesting that you return, especially you, Abel, you've got to stay with your mom and dad. Yeah, so I'm not suggesting that you return your kids to God and look for a, a cash back rebate or anything. What I'm asking is, do we really recognize, really recognize that your children are first and foremost a gift from the Lord and that ultimately they belong to Him? They don't belong to us. Now, our tendency is to take ownership because usually when they do something wrong or they fill their diaper, everybody lets us know who the kid is going home with, right? It's yours, you take care of it, it's a stinky diaper. But we don't own our children. And you might think that since we're talking about baby dedication that I'm just talking to the parents this morning, but I'm really not talking just to parents. I'm talking to each and every one of us. Many of you in this room have dedicated your children to the Lord at different times. And I would say that we need to often remind ourselves, especially through the teenage years, that these kids don't belong to us. These kids are a gift from God. And first and foremost, he's their father. First and foremost, he's the one who cares for them. First and foremost, God loves your child more than you ever could, right? We need to remind ourselves of that. Sometimes we feel it necessary to remind God as well. Lord, it's your, your kid, right? You've got to take care of him. You, you gave him to me. He's only on a loan to me. He's yours. And it's, it's a funny thing to me. But the older my children get, and my wife and I feel very blessed. Our, our kids are all serving the Lord to some capacity, and we feel very blessed in that. But the older I get, the, less I, the more I realize the less ownership I have. The, the less that they really belong to me. There are times when I wish I had learned some of this younger. We carry a big load sometimes for our kids and it's not our responsibility to carry that load. I was, as we were worshiping, I was just reminded of how brief life really is. How brief it is. I want us to just ponder that for a second. The Bible says that life is but a vapor. It's just a mist. You've all seen steam coming off a tea, uh, uh, steam coming off a tea, a tea kettle. And that steam's, it, it'll burn you. It's real. It's hot. It's there. There's something there. But as soon as it gets away from that kettle, just a little bit, and it's gone. It's just a vapor. Right? That's how Scripture describes our life. It's just a vapor. Whether you're given 70 years, whether you're given... 40 years, whether you're given 100 and... I know there's some people in this room who are looking for 110. That's not me. I'll skip right to eternal life at some point here. I'm not looking for the 110 years here. 
Maybe, though, maybe you're only given 15. Maybe you're only given five. Life is just a vapor. And it goes so easy. And the problem is, folks, when we look at death as the end, death is not the end. We're promised eternal life, right? Or eternal death. Which one are we going to take? But either way you look at it, it's eternal. When we look at death as the end, we, we have a problem in the way that we think about life. The Bible says that God is the one who knit us together in our mother's womb. He's the one who hardwired us. He already knows. Before you were even born, he knows the plans and the purposes that he has for your life. Every one of you sitting here. God already knew that before you were even born. So what are we doing as parents hanging on thinking that we have control of anything, let alone our children? I mean, at some point we can still control them until they get to be about seven or eight, right? And we think we can tr- control them until they're 14 or 15, but they're sneaky. So are you. It's okay. We go out and we do all kinds of things our parents don't want us to do. We really don't have a whole lot of control. What we do have, however, is input. As grandparents, is that you or me? Me. As parents, as parents or grandparents, it goes out one more time, I'm going to grab a handheld and that's going to be tough. As parents or grandparents, we have input. Input into their lives. In our men's group this week, we began reading out of 1 Samuel We see that Hannah is dedicating her son Samuel to the Lord. And it's really quite an account. I would encourage you to read 1 Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse, there was a man. I I can't take it. Just shut my, got this one on. Check one, two. There we go. Just shut my other one off entirely. In 1 Samuel, there's a certain man from uh, Ramathin, a Zophite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jehoiam, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah, and the other was called Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah did not. There's two things that happened when I put this down. Number one, my spell check freaked out. But the second thing I realized as you go on and read this is that Elkanah has two wives, and there's contention between them. Shocker, right? Who'd have thought? I'm not going to read the entire account, but I'll tell you the story. Elkanah had children with his first wife. We're going to call her Penny because that's easier for me to pronounce. And Scripture records here that Elkanah actually loves Hannah more. He loves her so much more. She can't have kids. At one point he says, I don't understand. Am I not more valuable than ten children? He has the same problem most men do. (laughs) Kind of think a little bit more of ourselves than we ought maybe. But Hannah had no children. And the writer here says that the Lord actually closed her womb. And even Penny, I think, really liked it because according to this passage of Scripture, this text, Penny provokes Hannah just to irritate her. And this went on year after year after year. And Hannah was so grieved 
And she prayed so earnestly. One year she was in the temple. She was, she was so moved. She was so grieved. She's praying. And she's praying so that she's moving her mouth. She's, she's, she's moving her mouth, her lips. But there are no words coming out. And the priest actually thinks she's drunk. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 9. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting in, in his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. She makes a commitment to the Lord on behalf of Samuel before he's even born. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. She makes a commitment. Even before Samuel was born, she committed him to the Lord. She gave him back to the Lord. She gave him back to the Lord before she was even pregnant. Read the account. She, she said, if God, if you will do this, let me ask you a question. How many of us have made those kinds of pledges to the Lord? You don't need to raise your hand, but... Yeah, right? Oh, God. Oh, God, if you get me out of this, I promise. My, my favorite one, and it's the one that I used the most, was, Oh, God, if you never tell anybody, I promise I'll never do it again. How many of you know generally we need somebody to know our sin in order for us to stop? Today, Caleb and Joanna have decided that they want to bring Abel before the Lord and have him dedicated. Parents, present their children before God and before his people, asking for the grace and the wisdom in carrying out this relationship that they have with them, with their son. Parents also come praying that the children might one day, that this child might come to trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of sins. But here's the reality for Caleb and Joanna and for every one of us. You've got to realize that this is more about a commitment that you're making, right? This is more about the example that God has you to set for your boys. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 7 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. These commandments I give you today that are upon your hearts, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit down at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. I'm going to do a little bragging this morning, okay? My mother and father-in-law are here. When we lived in Hibbing, Grandma and Grandpa would come to visit and, uh, and they didn't come that often, three or four times a year. We'd come here a couple times a year. But my kids, every time as they're getting ready for bed, they ask Grandpa to come and tell them a Bible truth. Not a Bible story. Because Grandpa was very clear with these kids. This isn't a story. This is a Bible truth. And Grandpa would go and lay in bed with the kids and tell them truths about God's Word. I believe that those Seeds are part of why my kids are in church today. Moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, you have a chance to plant truth, 
truth. This world is full of lies. It's full of garbage. You can't, you can't turn on the TV and not get your head so filled with junk that you shouldn't flush it. And we have the opportunity to pour truth into our families. When you lie down and when you get up, Deuteronomy makes it clear it is the duty, it's the responsibility, it's the, it's the obligation of parents and grandparents to teach children everything from their attitudes to their lifestyle. Parents, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, seize that opportunity. Grab a hold of it. Pour into our kids. Pour into your grandkids. It's not just take them to church on Sunday. There's more than that. It's so much deeper than that. My father-in-law has been a challenge to me over the years to speak truth to my kids and my grandkids. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 6 says, Children's children are a crown to the aged, and parents are the pride of their children. Do you hear that? You hear that? Parents are the pride of their children. In other words, my dad can whoop your dad is a biblical principle. <laughs> parents are the pride of their children. You know it. You kn I just listened to a, a, a speaker this week. I don't re recall who he was. And he was talking to his son. And his son says, Dad, why are you so, why are you so wrapped up with the grandkids? And the dad said, when I was a young man and you were a young boy, I was so busy making a living. Everything just went to doing that, doing that, doing that. I didn't have time. And now these grandkids come in and they go, Papa! And he said, that is all I need. You can take them home after that. That's all I need. Jim Hokinson and I were talking one day. And it was after one of my grandkids come running up after a service. And he, he said, you, you get what it is, right? He said, those kids worship you. We have to train them that I'm not one who's worthy of being worshipped. But it's a picture of us worshipping God. It's a picture of us falling into his arms saying, Abba, Father. That's what these little kids know. We have the opportunity to pour into their lives. Children are a gift. Psalms 127.3 proclaims that sons are a heritage from the Lord and children are a reward from him. As believers, we are called to recognize First and foremost, that our children, they're a gift from God. He's the one who gives them to us, and we have to remind ourselves of that constantly. God, in his goodness, gives gifts to parents. and we, He gives us this awesome responsibility. I, I want us to grab that. I want us to grab a hold of that. You, you may not... When I was a young man... Nobody ever told me, nobody ever told me that when you become a dad, you will never not be a dad again. Think about that. When you become a parent, when you become a mom, you will never not be a mom or a dad again. I don't care whether they're, whether they're four months, four years, 14 years old, 24 years old, your heart is still ripped out 
your heart is still blessed, your heart is still captured, your heart is still moved, they're still your sons and your daughters. They still are. You are never not a parent again. Grab a hold of that. You go. Children are a gift. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 27, this is Hannah's confession. She said, I prayed for a child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord and, will, and worshiped the Lord there. The first year after he was born, we don't know how long, the first year, maybe two years, she didn't go back to the temple because she was still nursing. And she said, I want to wean the baby, but once I wean the baby, I'm going to bring him back to the temple. And when she did, she actually left Samuel to be raised by the priest. She actually left him at the temple. This is a huge step of faith. This is huge because she didn't know. She, the Lord had closed her womb previously. She didn't know if she was going to have any more kids. As far as she knew, she was only going to have that one. She tried and tried and tried. And yet, every time I read this account, I'm so, so grabbed, so consumed by the thought that she actually promised her baby to the Lord, and then she delivered. She did that. She left him there with the priest. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. We can't even stop speeding. God, if I don't get caught, I promise I'll never do it again. No, and then I do it again. This is not talking about giving away a baby. We're talking about just trying to get to church on time or to work on time or to the field on time or here on time or there. We can't even keep that. God, I promise if you don't tell him, I I'll never look again. I'll never, I'll, never do the, I'll never do that. I'll never do the other. I'm in awe. First she prays, and she prays, and she prays. With a broken heart, she prays so much that the priest thinks she's drunk. She's, in, she's grieving that deeply for a child. And she says, at the end of it, if you'll just give me this baby, I'll give him back to you. And she does it. Many of you in this room, many of you online, have prayed, and you, you it's okay. If I can't preach above that, it's all, it's all right. He should have the microphone then. You've prayed, and you've asked God for things, and I'm, I, I think it's a challenge for us today. What are the things that you've committed to the Lord already? Are you doing those things that you've committed to the Lord? What about our own relationship? You see, that's, the, that's part of this that, that is amazing to me is, is Samuel's mom's uh, uh, relationship, her character was revealed to him by her actions, by what she did. This is not in my notes. But our character is also revealed by our actions, by what we do. Our character is revealed to our children, not so much by what we say, but by what we do, by how we live our lives. There are men in this room, people in this room I know would tell you, the only reason they're here today is because of a praying grandma or a praying aunt or a praying sister, somebody praying for them. Isn't that right, Scott Eiley? It's part of his testimony. Hannah's faithfulness shows her character. So again today, 
as Caleb and Joanna choose to dedicate Abel. It's really like a no-back-down deal. Now it's about their character. Are they going to stand up? Are they going to do what's right? Are they going to live their lives so that their boys see that truth? It's not good enough. For, it's not good enough for us to say, well, God, I, 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 I took my kids to children's ministry once a week. That's not good enough. That doesn't cut it. How do we live our lives? This act of baby dedication does not make Abel a Christian. It doesn't make him a Christ follower. It doesn't buy him a place in heaven. Just like each one of us, one day he is going to have to make a personal commitment to Jesus Christ on his own behalf. As he understands Jesus, as he grows up, as he begins to comprehend what Christ has done for him on his behalf, he's going to have to make that choice. He's going to have to recognize the lordship of Jesus Christ. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to over the years. Are you a believer? Do you, do you know Jesus? Well, I go to church. Well, my mom had me baptized. Well, I was this. I, but do you know Jesus Christ yourself? Are you, have you opened your, your heart to that relationship? Are you walking in that truth? Because it's not about what mom and dad did. It's about are we going to make that step ourselves. At this point, he's done squealing now. Sir. He's getting a bottle. If you all are ready, Joanna, you can bring him on up. I had to wait till he left the room first. We're going to bring him up and we're going to pray. Look at there, all sunshine and smiles. Our purpose here again is to dedicate able to the Lord. But as we do, we're also dedicating the parents, Caleb and Joanna, to be godly influences on his life. So I would like... Do you want the mic? <laughs> I'd like you to... We really believe in blessing, laying on hands. If you'd like to stretch out your hands, we'd like to pray a blessing. Father, we just thank you so much for Abel. We thank you for... You've knit him, you've created him, you've put him together. He's your child. God, we want to recognize that he is your child. I pray for Caleb and Joanna as they are raising their family, as they're raising Titus and Abel. God, that they would live their lives in such a way, Father, that it's a reflection of who you are. So the boys will just naturally follow after mom and dad. The boys are going to carry out what mom and dad do. They're going to see that. Lord, I pray that you would bless their household. I pray that you'd give Abel peace. I pray that you just touch him. Father, you have a plan for his life, and we commit him to that plan right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Bless you. I want to remind us that I don't like microphones. I want to remind us, again, this does not give Abel any spiritual or religious benefit. doesn't give him a foothold. Rather, it's a somber time of dedication. It really is. It's a somber thing for us to think about. I want to read Psalm 127. Starting in verse 1, it says, Unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stands guard in vain. In vain you rise up early and you stay late, toiling for food to eat. 
for he grants sleep to those he loves. Sons are a heritage from the Lord, children are a reward, a reward from him. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full. They will not be put to shame when they, are, when they contend with their enemies at the gate. This passage refers to children again as a reward. And what the psalmist is pointing out here is that these children come from the Lord. Parenting, if I dare say this, I believe parenting is a spiritual act and it requires us to turn and depend on God constantly. Any of you, if any of you have more than one child, you realize they are not the same. How does that happen? How can you have, we have four kids and it's, I don't know where they, how can they all be so different? Lindsay, we have one child <laughs> would lie right to your face. And the other one, all I got to do is look at her, a different child. And she's in tears instantly. Whoa, we did it. It was great once I figured it out. But they're not the same. They're not the same at all. And I believe that God would... Oh, I could go off and tell stories. I'm not going to because I could. <laughs> Caleb and Joanna made that commitment today. And as we talk about it, I think, again, it's pretty easy for us to sit back and go, oh, that's good that they did that. That's good that they did that. They're going to have to live a godly life. Yep, yep, yep. They're going to have to make sure they have God in their home. Yep, yep, yep. It's the rest of us. That message is true for every one of us. It's true for every one of us. If you call Jesus your Lord and Savior, this doesn't end when the kids turn 18. It doesn't end when they, can, when they get out on their own. You and I, I think we need to look at rededicating our life to Christ on a regular basis. It's not just a once and done deal, right? Did anybody out here, you just dedicated your life to Jesus one time and it was all done? You, you, never, you never needed to do it again? No, we got to do it on a regular basis. Sometimes we got to make that commitment on an hourly basis. Sometimes we got to remind ourselves. I, I, I tell the story when I was, when I was a chaplain out at uh, WeFest. One of the other chaplains, we used to get these, these plaques that we could put up on our dash so that we had free parking. And one of the other chaplains said, you know what you need to do? You need to keep that on your dash all year round. That way, if you get pulled over by a cop, they can see that you're a chaplain out there and they'll let you off. I said, you know why I really need to keep that on my dash? It's a reminder that I'm a chaplain out there and I need to resemble that all year long, not just while I'm standing at WeFest, right? One time I got a fuzz buster. I, put in, I was putting a windshield in for a guy and... Uh, and he was selling a fuzz buster, and so I put in the windshield, and I just traded him for this radar detector. And so I had it hanging up in my van, and I was giving the kids a ride home from school one day. And one of the kids asked, what's that for? What's that? And I said, what's well, a radar detector? Oh, what's a radar detector for? <laughs> so I can speed and not get caught. Like breaking the law? Yes. So I thought to myself on the way home, I'm going to sell that, man. I paid $250 or $150 for that windshield. And then I got home, I felt like the Lord saying, you're not going to sell that. 
like, oh, I really need to learn this lesson, God. So I took it and I just broke it myself. I just smashed it myself. I don't think I had it for 48 hours. I never even got to see the lights beep on it. I don't ever know if it really worked. But here's the deal. I needed to live that in front of my kids. Otherwise, I'm telling my kids, well, you can sin all you want as long as you don't get caught. Is that right? Is that what we want? Why? Because God still catches us. Later on in the book of Samuel, the children of Israel want to have a king. And Samuel doesn't want him to have a king because God doesn't want him to have a king. But eventually, God says to Samuel, go ahead, it's against you, it's against me that they're rebelling, not against you. Do you get that? Any form of rebellion, well, I'm just, I don't think this road should be 45, I think it should be 55, so I'm going to drive 55. You're not rebelling against the speed limit, you're rebelling against God. Because you got this attitude that you got to deal with. And I got this attitude that I got to deal with. We dedicate a baby and we say, well, okay, you know, that's good for them and their, their dad's got to do all this now and that baby's mom's got to do all this. Well, guess what? We got to do the same thing. Scripture says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Scripture says, nothing can separate me from the love of God. Scripture says that God has a plan for my very life. Well, guess what? All that is true not only for that baby, it's true for us. God has a plan for your life. And are we willing to just follow through on the things that he's called us to do? Are we willing to live righteous lives whether we have a radar detector or not? Whether our kids are around or not? Are we willing to live righteous lives before God on a regular basis? I know it's church. We shouldn't talk about this stuff, right? The Bible says we have, a roar, we have an enemy that walks around like a roaring lion looking whom he may devour. The Bible says Satan is a, is a liar and he is the father of all lies. We're in a battle. You and I are in a battle. That's why we dedicate babies is because they're going to face challenges. They're going to be a battle in their life. Well, there's battle in our life. Are we going to live our lives in such a holy way that it reflects who Jesus Christ is? That's a challenge for us. It's a challenge for every one of us. We need to remind ourselves that we are children of the Most High God. And listen, God honored that pledge. He honored that that promise. We started looking this up on, on uh, uh, Thursday morning. What, what, what does that promise mean? She made a promise to God. She made. What does that look like? So we looked it up in Webster's, and promise means promise. She made a, pl a, a pledge, a commitment. So we thought, well, what does that mean in the Hebrew? Guess what it means in the Hebrew? She made a promise. She made a pledge. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of us have made a commitment to the Lord? We said we're going to commit our lives to Jesus Christ. The question is, are we living like we've made a commitment to Jesus Christ? Are we living that way 24-7? Are we living that way? Do the people at work know that you're a believer? Do the people that you go to school with know that you're a believer? Do the people that you do coffee with know that you're a believer? Do we live that kind of a life? We need to remind ourselves we're in a battle. Listen to what Joshua says. Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross into the Jordan. Get ready to cross the Jordan into the land that I'm about to give you. Give them to the Israelites. 
I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Every place. God made Moses a promise, and then Moses wasn't able to fulfill it. Now he's saying to Joshua, it's time to fulfill it. Every place you go, I'm going to give you that. Do we live our lives in such a way that says, you know what? This is holy ground now. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon, from the river, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You've committed your life to Christ. You've committed your kids to Christ. You need to remind yourself God's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. In the middle of trials, in the middle of troubles, in the middle of temptations. Does God leave when we're tempted? Why do we fall in sin then? Because we choose to follow after the sin. We're led astray by our own desires. God says he'll never leave you, nor forsake you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Did you get that? Be strong because God's got a plan and a purpose for your life and he'll lead the people around you into something glorious if we follow after him. Verse 7, be strong, be very courageous. Be careful to obey all, all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that, by, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and be successful. I have not commanded you have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Keep this book of the law on your lips. Keep it in your mouth. Keep it in your mind. Meditate on it day and night. Forty times in the Old Testament, four zero, forty times, we're told to meditate on God's law. Meditate on it. So you know what, Pastor? I have a hard time acting like a Christian sometimes. Get the book in you. It's alive. Get his word in you. Read a proverb every day. Read a couple of psalms every day. Read part of the gospels every day. Just take, just take a half an hour. If you've never taken a half an hour, take a half an hour. If you can't do a half an hour, take 15 minutes. Get his word inside of you every day, every day, every day. Why? You'll begin to reflect Jesus. You're going to find your thoughts going like, well, I, that, I think that's kind of like a Jesus thought. I wouldn't have behaved that way before. That must be something that God's doing to me. I don't remember where I read that. I don't care if you remember where you read it. Get it in you. Because garbage in leads to garbage out, right? You want to be dispensers of hope? You've got to get hope in you. You want to be dispensers of peace? Does our world need a little bit of the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, meekness, kindness, temperance. Our world needs that. You can become a dispenser of that. How? You've got to get it in you. How? Read his word. Meditate on it. Think about it. Study it. Med just, just, just flat meditate on it. What does that say? What does that say? I wonder what that says. I should read that. Think about that again. What is that? I wonder what that really means. Do we just sit and ponder? Do we, 
muse at God's word? Do we just let it captivate us? As we close today, maybe it's time that all of us recommit our lives to Christ. Maybe it's time for all of us to remind ourselves that we're in a battle. Maybe it's time for us to understand that the enemy would love nothing more than to, to sidetrack you, to take your testimony and destroy it among your friends. He'd love for that to happen. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. This is God. God says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me, and you will come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek my face, and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. This is the verse that always grabs me when people say, well, I tried Jesus. You don't have to try Jesus. Seek him with your whole face. Seek him with your whole heart. Seek him with everything you have within you. Seek him, and you're going to find him. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from the nations and the places where you where I've banished you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Here the nation of Israel Israel had walked away from God. We read throughout the Old Testament. There's 17 times when Israel would be following after God, they'd be doing everything, and then everything went kind of smoothly in their life. It went well, and then all of a sudden they decided that they didn't really need to just follow after all the principles of God. They could marry, and they could, they could bring in other gods, and they could bring in other things, and they could kind of do whatever they wanted to. And every time they did that, God led them off into bondage. I'm not talking about, you know, captivity for, for a week or two. I'm talking 400 years he would lead the nation of Israel off into captivity somewhere else. 200 years here, 400 years here. He'd lead them off into captivity. Why? Because they resisted him. They walked away from him. He said, well, i got some problems in my life. Well, how submitted to the Lord are you? Because here he says, the promise is, if you will seek me with your whole heart, I'll actually bring you back from that place that I led you into captivity. Ooh, we don't like to hear about God doing that. But guess what? God will let us go down that road as far as we want to. When we're the children of Israel 17 times, somebody was going along and all of a sudden they pulled out the scrolls again. They began to read God's word. They began to apply it. And as a nation, they repented. As a nation, they came back 17 times. And every time, God took them back again. For you and I, if you're feeling distant from God, if you're feeling this whole dedication, baby dedication, it's not just about that family. It's about us. Where are we at? say, well, I'm not feeling so close to the Lord. It's time to recommit your life to him. Time to seek him again with your whole heart. And then you have to do what he says you have to do. Right? Right? We can't just find out what he wants to do and then go ahead and do our own thing anyhow. When God says, I want you to turn from that sin in your life, we can go, oh, finally, I know. Now I'm close to God again. No! Get rid of the sin in your life, right? Repent, turn, go another direction. I'm preaching. All right, Father, we just thank you so much for each person. We thank you for your word. Your word is alive. It's real. God, we see that you did mighty things when, when Hannah made a commitment to you. 
She made that commitment. God, not only did you give her a son who became the leader of Israel, but you also gave her more children. You poured back into her life. Exceeding, your word says, exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think. I believe, God, if we'll do that as followers, this service isn't just about a baby dedication. It's about us committing our lives to you anew and afresh every day, every day, every day, every day. Sometimes twice a day, God, we've got to remind ourselves that we're your children. We should behave like you. God, I pray that you would bring your word to life for each one of us. Help us to grab such a hunger for your word that we just simply can't go a day without it. We have that much of a desire for coffee. We have that much of a desire for chocolate. We have that much of a desire we've got to have it every day. Do we have that desire for your word that every day we have to have your word? We have to have your word. God, make that part of our diet. Bless each person here today. Each person who hears us online, help us to realize that we need to commit our lives to you, new and fresh, every day. Because life is just a vapor. There's going to come a time very soon when every one of us is going to stand before you and give account for what we did with the life that you gave us. Help us to walk in honor of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.